All right. We're taking all the best old school wisdom and blending it with the top new school methods to bring you the optimal coaching strategies. This is the 8020 Baseball Podcast with Coach Bo. Welcome, coaches, parents, players. Welcome, 8020 Baseball community. We got a good one today. Coach David Klein of Legends Baseball, of Speedball, based out of San Francisco, here to share out some great wisdom with you. So we're going to go right into the interview. This is the entire interview, the interview in full. Here we go. I am here with Coach David Klein. Coach David Klein is founder of MP Legends, the Legends Baseball Camp. Speedball creator, and we're going to get into more of that right now. But I want to say hi to Coach Klein, and how's everything going, Coach? Oh, everything is fantastic. Middle of summer right now. Fired up to be on with you, Coach Bo, and to give your listeners some awesome, actionable content they can take back with them and help their players. Perfect. So let's start off. Give a little synopsis of your backstory to the listener. You know, you know, kind of your baseball and, and maybe a little bit of your personal backstory. Yeah. So baseball guy through and through. But really, I feel like I'm actually an entrepreneur first. I just chose baseball to be the means that I like to create. So played all throughout growing up in the, the San Francisco Bay Area. Wound up uh, landing at Santa Barbara City College and UC Santa Barbara, where I played four years of college baseball. When I was done playing ball, I was heartbroken like many of uh, you listeners out there who wish they could play pro ball. I didn't get a chance myself. I did not get drafted. And so I started my own semi-professional collegiate summer team where elite players would come from all over and play summer ball, much like a Cape Cod League style team. And then when they weren't playing in the afternoons, they would be coaching camps. And this was back in 2009. And every year we would grow and we would double and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And this was really a passion project until about 2015 when I decided to go all in with Legends Baseball. And we started bunch of travel teams, you know, explored that. We had our obviously our collegiate team. We did all kinds of community and camp work. And through that sort of eight years of from 29 to 2016 of coaching the college team and running that, we had over 50 players go on to play professional baseball, three major league players to come through my system and, and two Olympians. Wow. And so since then, you have sort of moved away from travel baseball. We've created our own speedball program. We've exploded during COVID. I absolutely love where we're at right now and what we're doing. We've, we're actually the only franchised youth baseball and softball camp system registered in the United States, um, which is exciting. So we're looking to grow that. Um, a little bit more about me a few years. I'm really the positive coaching guy, Coach Bo. Um, a few years ago, Love I was it. selected from the Positive Coaching Alliance to be one of four coaches uh, to be selected from 800 coaches to, to receive the Double Go Coach Award um, over at Stanford and was awarded that. And so take a lot of pride in bringing positive coaching methodology to my families, to my kids, uh, coaching up coaches, love uh, running coaching clinics, and father of two, two young kiddos here, little 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 legends coming up the mix. And so, uh, yeah, love coaching, love being on the field, love giving, love having high-level conversations with awesome guys like you. Wow, that's a great intro you got right there. Now, I want to dig into some of it. The entrepreneur mindset, I want to come back because I think the entrepreneur mindset, and I know some of the listeners might be thinking right away, like, this is an entrepreneur on fire podcast, or this, uh, <laughs> this is a baseball, youth baseball 
Football Podcast. I want to hit on that because I think there's something super advantageous about having that mindset. And we talk about that. And I try to bring up examples of, say, the business world or family and other things outside of baseball and tied into how we can be better coaches and, and entrepreneur skills definitely translate over to being a better coach on a lot of levels. Some things I want to hit on. But first, I want to look at this UC Santa. You went to UC Santa Barbara for four years or you went to, you were at um, Santa Barbara City and then UC Santa Barbara, but you spent four years. Is that correct? I was recruited to play at UC Santa Barbara. They brought in seven other catchers. So I'm in the dorms there at UC Santa Barbara. They gray shirted me. I didn't even know what that was. And me being this cocky 18 year old, I was like, no, I'm not. I'm a, I was like the stud high school player. I took a double course load so that I took classes at Santa Barbara City College. So I played there for two years while taking courses at UC Santa Barbara. Was a first team all league catcher at Santa Barbara City College for two years. Wound up having offers at Irvine and Chico and Davis. Wound up coming back to UC Santa Barbara and finished out there. That's sort of my collegiate baseball experience. It was kind of a different path for sure. I love the UC Santa Barbara area. I've been there many times and I played against them when I was in college. And it was, it's just a beautiful area, you know, as far as schools go and places to live and that time of your life. If I could go back and I wasn't, and maybe look at it a little bit, you know, bigger picture of things, I would have definitely considered uh, UC Santa Barbara a lot more uh, and would have put them at the top, more at the top of the list because what a beautiful area and Santa Barbara City, great baseball, just beautiful locations. But uh, this entrepreneur mindset, tell me how you think that helps you understand or does that give you, I mean, it's got to give you an advantage looking at the game of baseball, how to improve it. Do you see some of those skills transferring over from being an entrepreneur? You said you kind of have that entrepreneurial mindset. Does that help you kind of see the game a little different and maybe in a better way? Entrepreneurs are good at finding and identifying problems and coming up with strategies that they can plan and execute to fix the problem. You know, in the micro, you see problems with teams, within cultures, with the players' mechanics. And you got to find creative ways to fix the problem. In the macro, for me, in, in bigger scale, I started in 2015 some travel teams. I identified early that there was a problem. I couldn't figure out exactly what the causes of the problems were and what the fixes were. But after about four years of being involved with travel baseball, traveling up and down the coast, hotels, flights, teams getting mercy ruled, other coaches getting in fights with umpires, I just decided that I do not want to be involved with this anymore. This is not right. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good for me. There's a problem here. It's not working for kids. They think it's serving kids in the deepest way, but it's not the only way. There's got to be another way to help kids learn, grow, and develop other than travel baseball. Why is it that there's Little League and travel baseball? There's nothing else. And so I planted my flag in the sand in, right at the start of COVID. And I said, this is my chance right now to create and design a brand new special type of program that's never been done before and to get people into it and have it grow. Because quite frankly, here in North in California, there was nobody else offering anything during COVID. And because I was the only one that figured out how to do it by the book, people just came to me and they said, whatever you got, David, we're signing up. And so that's when I started with 4 vs 4 vs 4 baseball, um, which is now what we call speedball. And mm-hmm. so again, you know, I saw there was a problem. I said I was going to do something about it. It wasn't perfect at the start, but it was a matter of trial and error and sticking with it and taking the leap and deciding to do something different than what everybody else is doing out there. I find that when you create something different, then you compete with 
nobody. So if you're a travel ball organizer and you're worried about losing coaches, losing kids to other programs, well, it's because you're you're offering a version of the exact same thing that everybody else is offering. It might be a little better, maybe it's a little worse, but when you create something that's significantly different in the way that it's designed and the approach, you compete with nobody. Nobody leaves our program once they start because nobody else offers what we offer. So my entrepreneurship mindset, it has allowed me to take leaps and take risks and try new things out knowing that worst comes to worst, I can just resort back to what we used to be doing. But what I found is people want different. They want new. You know, That's how we've really built our brand out here in Northern California. Love that message and that vision that you had. One of the main reasons I started this podcast was not just to have another podcast. And it sounds like you didn't just start something different just to start something different. You weren't just trying to be contrarian for contrarian sake. And part of the reason I started this podcast was I felt there was a better message to be shared with the youth baseball community. It's sometimes I want to go into the advanced stuff and talk, you know, little finite details that I hear on, on fan graphs about major league pitchers. But I realized that there was such a need in youth baseball and the message could be a lot better. And so what you're doing, you've created this league, speedball league that is different, but it's different because you believe. And from what I understand, and I've dug into this a lot and I've been watching it and I've been looking at, I think you're onto something really, really phenomenal here. And I love what you're doing. And I believe you're doing something because you truly believe it's a better option for the baseball. It's just better for the baseball community. And that fires me up. It's not just to be different, but I love your attitude about, Hey, I'm going to solve this issue, but it's also bold. I came on here and I get some messages from some of my coaching buddies like, Hey, you know, that approach, it sounds, you know, that's not, they're kind of old school coaches and they're kind of stuck in the day. I'm not a big fan of bunting. I don't, I'm not against, but I love the drag bunt. Love me a drag bunt all day, every day when that third baseman's playing back or you got a, you got a pitcher on the mound, maybe a lefty, you got a pitcher that's not really athletic on the mound. I love me a drag bunt, but I'm not a big bunt because the numbers say as you get older in high school and above, when the defenses get a little bit better, the numbers aren't quite there to support it, but it's not to be different. It's just because I, I see the evidence and I'd rather, you know, not spend 30 minutes of practice. I'm working on bunny kids get so bored, you know, talk about, and we're going to get into, I want to hear more about kind of your take on speedball here, but that I would watch these bunting defensive drills go 30, 40 minutes. And then the batting practice would be 30 or 40 minutes. And I said, that just doesn't make sense. There's one or two or three of these plays a game, but there's, there's 40 at bats a game or 25. Well, at least there's in, in high school, there's seven innings, at least 21 at bats, right? And in many cases, it's 30 to 40 to 50 at bats in a game. And there's two or three of these plays. It wasn't like I was trying to be different, like, oh, everybody likes bunting. So I'm going to be against bunting. It was just like, what's where is there a problem there? Could it be better? And I, and I really thought there was. And that was one example. So the speedball, I'm reading here that on you, you got uh, kind of a list of speedballs, 10 to 15 at bats per game, three teams of four to five. Don't, you know, you're saying not sit in the bench, play every position, attainable home run fences. I like that one. Tell me a little bit more about speedball and how this is, uh, how it's better than or a better option in a lot of ways than just your traditional kind of youth baseball game. So when we began designing the speedball program, I sat there with my coaches and I even called in some parents and we analyzed everything that was poorly done or bad, (laughs) for lack of a better term, with youth baseball. Slow transitions in between innings, no parity, no home run lines, no music at games, no parent communication, jerseys not that cool, pregame prep really poor, yada, 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 yada. And then we looked at all of the things that made baseball more fun. Music at game, ice creams after games, high-level practices, prizes, awards, attainable home run lines, smaller rosters, more at-bats, all that stuff. And we eliminated and reduced anything that made baseball less fun. And we doubled down on anything that made baseball more fun. And we basically 
basically said, forget all the rules that you're used to. Okay, we're going to recreate baseball. And I'm a traditionalist, Bo. I truly am. And if the kids of today were absolutely obsessed with baseball at the rate that maybe they used to be, then we maybe wouldn't have to touch it. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, they're not. And kids aren't watching baseball. And they're not practicing on their own time out in the streets as much as they used to. And so for me, speedball, what we have seen is not meant to replace travel ball, replace Little League. It's a new and novel, creative and exciting option to help kids get engaged and fall in love with the game of baseball in a way that's more fun, exciting, fast paced. And most importantly, it's super developmental. Does that all make sense? And and I can get into the weeds a little bit about how we create and execute the program. But from an approach standpoint, like that's how we began mapping the experience and creating it. You're trying to take something and make it more fun. But what you said there was very interesting towards the end was you're also trying to, it's also something that you believe is more developmental. It increases the development of the baseball skills of players faster. I couldn't agree more because I think as I started looking at baseball to see how it could be coached better, it was almost like, wait, I would make something a little bit better here. And I realized the kids had more fun or I would make something more fun. I realized it was increasing the quality reps here. It went hand in hand. I mean, is that what you're hearing or you're seeing? The only thing that we should be solving for at the age of, let's just say 11 or 12 years old and below for youth athletes, period, across all sports is ensuring that they fall in love with the game, period. If they fall in love with the game and they truly love it, they will eventually put in the focus and dedication necessary to develop real baseball skills. If mommy and daddy are pushing the kid into the sport, forcing them to do lessons and go to the game, they're never, ever, ever going to commit themselves in the way that they need to, to actually get good at it. If they love the game, they're going to start to focus. If they love the game, they're going to want to get better at it. They're going to start to take instruction. The goal is to get the kids to like pass Little League, still loving the game of baseball. But we get very backwards with it. And we think it's, oh, it's got to be about drills and develop. No, you can have fun first. And if you create the fun atmosphere and the environment in the right way and make it engaging, the kids will get better while they are having fun. So for me, fun is development. If they're having fun, they're developing because they're developing a love of the game. And if they love the game, they love the game of baseball, they're eventually going to get better at it because they're going to be playing it more often and playing it harder. And so for me, fun, it's all about fun. And at the same time, we've realized that, you know, with fun, like it's a lot more fun when you're getting 10 to 15 at bats a game. Is it fun standing out in right field for three innings a game like what we have in Little League? In speedball, everybody plays every position every game. Everybody gets 10 to 15 at bats a game. Everybody gets a ton of balls hit to them in the field. I mean, I hear stories after they kids come from speedball and they go to Little League and they're like, hey, Dave, I just want to let you know that, you know, what you used to say about like, you know, why Little League, you know, it has so much trouble. My kid didn't get one ball hit to him in, him in the field today and got two at bats. In one speedball game, 10 to 15 at bats, they're getting more at bats in one game than you'll get in three, four, five Little League games. You're getting more at bats in an hour and 45 minutes than you get in an entire weekend of travel ball. Well, how's that for development? I mean, that's what, and the development bow happens right in front of our eyes. Bo, if you came and watched one of our speedball games from the first at bat to the last at bat, you're going to be not all the time, but a lot of the time you're like, whoa, he was not able to do that in the first at bat of the day. Now he's figuring it out. Kids figure things out on their own. We get very obsessed with like this interventional coaching style. We're like, we got to coach every at bat, every swing. No, the kids will begin to organize their body to accomplish the task. So if we give them more plate appearances, more at bats, more balls in the field and give them time and patience and love, they're going to get better at the game. And that's why speedball is such a beautiful thing because it's all fun. It's recreation based. We take all kids, beginner to elite, and we place them by skill level. We push them. We give them access to high level elite 
coaches and they wind up leaving our program absolutely loving baseball. And in my area, in Northern California, the best Little League players, they don't play travel ball in the offseason. They play speedball. All the players in the All-Star team, they're all speedball players. It's not that the elite players came to us. We got a lot of average, mediocre players and we've made them really good. We've made them a lot better. And just to put a bow on this whole thing, Bo, I've gotten a very comfortable and anybody who likes this, what I'm talking about needs to get comfortable in that if you're an elite player, you might be a better fit somewhere else. And I'll be very straight up with the parents and tell them that. If you want to be going and playing five games over the weekend and playing out-of-state tournaments and stuff, by all means, go and do it. We're creating and designing this experience for the middle part of that bell curve. That's 60 to 70% of kids who just need fun. They need access to awesome coaches and really developmental practices. You can hear I'm passionate about what we've created because I've seen the impact it makes on kids' lives. The message is you're passionate about it. And that's that's the speaking of passion. So I, I love what you said about so interest and improvement, they correlate the increase in, in of interest in it or the fun. But if the players have more interest in going to the game of showing up of playing, the improvement will go with it. And I love your message of focus on making it fun and the, and the improvement of the skills, the development of the players, abilities and things will come along with it. And uh, maybe not parallel in all cases, maybe they'll have a breakthrough with a skill or whatever, but they'll figure things out. But as long as they're interested and as long as they're having fun, you have a chance. I remember coaching years ago and I was sitting there and I said, hey, who's that kid over there? We were out there practicing and I was talking with some of the parents and coaches. I said, hey, who's that kid over there? I saw him pick up a ball and chuck a ball. And I said, he's about the same age as the kids. And he kept saying hi to some of my players. This was a 14U team. And he uh, and one of the parents says, oh, that's uh, Johnny. He's the best player of the group. And I said, what do you mean he's the best player of the group? What do you mean? He goes, I haven't seen him out here all year. He goes, oh, he doesn't play anymore. He quit. He got burned out when he was 12. Now he skateboards. And I said, oh man, he was left-handed, big kid, threw really well. And I said, that's a bummer. Nice kid too. He was burnt out. There's something that's interesting about the speedball that really caught my eye because I watched this documentary a couple years back. And so for those listeners, you know, we have to learn from other areas and entrepreneur, the entrepreneur mindset has helped make you, I think, helped you build something that I really am fascinated with. I don't think a lot of coaches are entrepreneurial. I definitely, in education, the education world, I'd like to see teachers be a more take that a little more of that path a little bit more with their you know how they teach and their pedagogy. But I remember seeing this documentary, you know, must have been four or five years ago. It was either Lionel Messi or Neymar. It was I don't know if it was Brazil or Argentina. It was one of those guys. They asked him about his youth and how he got good growing up, how they got really good growing up. And why are there a lot of great players coming out of it must maybe it was Neymar because it might have been Brazil. And I was thinking because they play beach soccer down there a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's different. You don't see a lot of beach soccer in the United States. But I remember back on ESPN2, back on ESPN2 in like the mid-90s when they first started ESPN2, they had beach soccer in Brazil and I was fascinated with it. Then I watched the University of Miami start training their football players on sand pit that they had out there on their field. And they're like, why are they putting out more NFL guys than anybody? Well, of course, it's not just one thing. But I started thinking about that. And then this messier Neymar, one of them said, we play a lot of indoor soccer. We play in like indoor rooms, like multi-purpose rooms. Like there's more poorer countries. They don't have like fat like really nice facilities, but they were saying like they would play insider in tight quarters. And they said, you got so many more touches. You got so many more touches. So kicks, passes, shots. And I thought, oh, that explains a lot. So he goes, so if I'm working on something, I'm going to be able to work on that thing. Like if I have, I'm trying to get better with my left foot, for example. He goes, then I get a ton of opportunities right then and there in that little practice session, a little scrimmage I'm having with my neighborhood buddies. So this is all coming together. And I hear you talk about speed one. I go, oh, and not only that, 
could just, they would show old video of them playing. They're all laughing and having fun. Nobody was sitting there picking daisies in right field. Yeah. I mean, they say baseball is a game of failure and it is. And for kids, like that's really hard. And I get that. We always say, oh, what's wrong with the kids these days? They're so soft, this and that. Well, all right, that's fine, whatever. But really, how do we make it so that it's not a game of failure anymore and make it a game of opportunity? And so for me, it's how do you provide more opportunities? <laughs> how can we make it so that everybody finds success out on the field so that they leave that game with a good taste in their mouth so that over the next three days between game one and game two, they had that moment out there. They had that moment. Speedball creates more moments for kids. Everybody has their moment in every game because there's so many opportunities for them. Like five X the opportunities of them. So yep. again, how do you change it from a game of failure? You create more opportunities. When you speed up the game, you have less kids out on the field. You have a masterfully designed and executed game program where things are rolling over quickly. Your coaches are inspired. They're energetic. The umpires are trained up in a certain way. There's music out there. There's custom jerseys. It just creates an experience which is just so much more fun and inspiring for these kids. They oftentimes even play harder. But, but really, to get back to my initial point, the quicker you can make the game and the smaller you can make the rosters, the more touches and the more development they're going to have. I love it. So what about those coaches that might be listening? And most of the listeners that listen to this, they're on board. They're listening because they know our messages. They know the 80-20 baseball message is, is unique. And a lot of it stems around making the game more fun, making the game more efficient, and just trying to find a lot of competitive advantages that are just sitting there just ripe for the picking. And I think I've talked about one of them is running scrimmages at a much faster, cutting out transition running things faster, more efficient, kids like fast pace. What about those coaches that or parents might say, well, you know, hey, Coach Klein, hey, Coach Bo, you know, these kids need to learn delayed gratification and we can't just speed everything up for them because life might be, you know, slower paced and they got to get used to that. Or what do you say to, to that argument or that that comment? They're going to have the rest of their playing career for that. I don't even really do speedball beyond 13 or 14 because they're right. They should be getting ready to play, quote, real baseball. But the goal is to get them to 13 to 14 first. And that's mm -hmm. why we focus on speedball at the youth ages. I mean, look, these kids are not... Baseball is not necessarily going in a good way. I mean, we're seeing all these changes to professional baseball speeding up the game. And we think that that's going to make all these tweaks and make baseball more attractive to the young player. But we're not doing anything at the youth playing level that's doing anything different. The way that we actually create more interest, MLB is really missing the boat here. They should be investing in Little League right now, creating coaches trainings, making tweaks to the way leagues are being run so that they're more amenable to the Gen Z fast-paced way that kids think. And yeah, like I'm sure we can try to teach them and inspire them with sort of like these delayed gratification, but that's not a battle that I want to fight, Bo. That's something that's ingrained in our society now where it's everything's on demand. I want information about how to throw a curveball. I'm going to look it up on YouTube. I need something you know, I need a new Evo Shield. I'm going to order it on Amazon. It's coming next day. That's a tough thing for kids to understand. I'd rather just give them lots of instruction, lots of development, lots of opportunities in a short amount of time and speed up their development. So what I would say to those people that are sort of traditionalists and don't want to do things in another way, I would say that you're missing an opportunity to bring more kids into the game of baseball and make them love the game. And I know it because I've seen it that when you tweak the game at this youth level, you can make it so much more fun and exciting for these kids. And that will obviously get the development over time, which is what you want. Yes. And you can implement or in kind of almost embed delayed gratification practice outside of the game. It could be like, hey, take your kids camping for the weekend. All right. To get 
off to technology and go camping with just the basic essentials where it's, they have to just listen to the trees and listen to the breeze through the trees or just sit around the campfire and talk to the family for three hours. I'm on your side. I just wanted to kind of play that kind of like, what about those people that, that say this? I think that if the kids don't make it to 12, 13, how can we use this great game of baseball, which is what I believe is one of the best vehicles in a way to, to get kids prepared for life and in a fun way, in an enjoyable way, but really get some ready for being an adult in life. If they quit at 12, like the kid, what about all that lost opportunity that now his parents have, they can't use baseball at all for him. He doesn't have a, he's not going to play in high school. I agree with you hundred percent on, you know, I make it fun. So they stick with it. And I just think as a tip to the listeners, you can get them off their, their phones or get them, you know, outside a little more, go for a walk with them where it's a little quieter and get some of that or delay gratification with something like my daughter asked for a little Barbie boat the other day. And I said, all right, here's a deal. You, you get it in a month. So I, I think there's other ways to do that. You, the average age I was reading in the, uh, the average age of the fan in the major league baseball now is 57. And it's like substantially higher than every other sport. Soccer and NBA is like 41, the average age. And it just keeps creeping up. And the average attendance, this was just today, I was reading this article, the average attendance in, in major league baseball is going down. It has been for like seven years or like nine of the last 10 years. So fast transition. I love that. Music, love that. Cool jerseys. To me, cool jerseys is that's pretty cool. The kids are hip on that. I'm not really a style guy. I got terrible style, but I like it. I love the music, love the fast transitions, cool jerseys. What's a couple other things that you're doing with speedball that the coaches could learn from speeding up their thing if they don't have access to speedball in their area? I know you're trying to spread this and hopefully we can get this model spread spread wide and far. But what are some things that other coaches could do to, to make the game more fun for their kids? Yeah. So there's this rules of speedball, which I don't want to get too much into right now because it's, you know, I guess it could be you know somewhat sophisticated, but really if I gave you the basics, you can run it pretty quickly. Speedball is all about the experience. And I like to think about it like this. You can go out, you can hit a golf ball in your backyard into a net. That's cool and all. Or you can go and you actually hit a, a golf ball at the driving range. That's a lot cooler and immersive and fun. You can see the ball fly. Or you could take it one step further and you can go to a top golf and you got music playing. Everything's gamified. You can get, you know, achievements and awards and, and you can get drinks out there. And, and it's a really meaningful experience. We're going for that top golf. We're going for an experience that is so deep, rich, and meaningful that it'll absolutely transform not just their skills, but the way that a child sees themselves in the world. And the way that we do this is with this, so, this speedball league experience, which is hitting them a 360 degrees on every single thing that we could possibly do to make the game more fun. We make it more fun. So like I said, yes, custom jerseys with their names on their back. But Bo, not just any name on the back. I want your baseball name, the great Bambino, Action Jackson, right. Cobra Kai. Doesn't like I want a different <laughs> fun name out there. In speedball, they sign up and they play with their friends. Now they can't because there's teams of five. So we don't allow them to pick the entire team, but they can sign up with their best friends, like two of them, and we put them on a team. Kids want to play with their friends. We should allow for that to some extent. Yes. Players of the day. We have magnets that we give out for players of the day. We on every game we have social media call-outs where we are we're basically posting pictures of them and tagging them in allowing the parents to brag about their kids and the kids are all stoked because they see themselves on TikTok or Instagram or whatever. We give life lesson curriculum so that when kids leave, they know that between this practice and next practice, they got to go home. They got to watch a San Francisco Giants game. They need, they need to write down three examples that they saw of a kid being a positive teammate. We do this every single day. So they go home and they know exactly what needs to be done between one practice and two practices so that they can get better. Most of the kids nowadays don't 
don't understand how it can transform you for you to take, you know, 30, 40 swings off the tee into the bow net. That stuff all can transform skills. We make the games fun for the entire family. So we get big crowds out. You know, the whole family's coming with their margarita mix and their tents and their coolers and they're having a blast. <laughs> and they sit out there and they watch for the whole afternoon and it's community based. Everybody knows each other. We send out game recaps. We have awards in the middle of the season at the end of the season. We have music, announcers, walkout songs. So literally like we want the kids to feel like big leaguers. And so these are all the ways that we make the game and the speedball experience more fun. So I encourage anybody out there from travel ball to little league parent, how can you out fun everybody else? Not outplay, not win more. How can you out fun everybody else? I believe if you plan on out funning the other teams, you're actually going to out win them too. Furthermore, I got a dad. He's a friend of mine now. His name's, uh, I'm not giving his name. He's up in Marin. He's been basically just going to school on all my methods for the last year and a half. He spends, like I do, the first 10 minutes of every single practice sitting in a circle, talking, laughing, talking about what we can do better from last game to this game. What are our goals? What's one thing that's really been bothering you? What was the peaks and pits of your life? Hero hardship highlight. Share your hero hardship highlight. All these little things that allow kids to find common ground and learn about each other, which will form better bonds within the team and allows the kids to build meaningful relationships with one another. This helps teams win. So all everything I just mentioned can be done not just at the Speedball League experience. It can be done in every single other form of baseball out there. And I definitely think this helps get the game more fun. And if it's more fun, like we said, there's going to be more development. Fun and winning, not mutually exclusive. Not at mm-hmm. all. I love it. I love the message of, and you're doubling down on making it fun, making it more fun. And, and I'm, I'm on board 100% with you. I agree 100% on that. And I like I always say to listeners, if there's something you see or something or something that doesn't jive with what you're thinking, you know, reach out, email me and uh, you can go to the website, email me your thoughts on that. But uh, the top golf's interesting. You have your hitting in the backyard with a little wiffle golf ball. And then you got a, a basic driving range that was probably around for 50, 100 years, right? Driving ranges. And now you have top golf. Why does everybody flock to top golf? Why are they such a great business model? Why are they booming? Why are people having a blast? I talked to my best friend last week. He said, oh, I just got done with this. And he's very like low key on like, you won't really say a place is really legit unless it really is. He goes, man, it was a blast. I had, a, had fun. I'm here in Boise. I'm driving down the highway with my family. My We move up here and we're trying to, you know, we're, we're hoping some of those things that you get in some of those other cities kind of come here, but not too many of the problems. And one of the things I noticed they were building was a top golf right off the highway. I can't wait for that top golf to be done. And that's just kind of an example. Hockey got rid of the two line pass. For those of you that are hockey, they got rid of the two line pass a long time ago. Why? To make the game more exciting and fun. Football, they opened it up. There was a lot more passing. Now passing became kind of more of a strategic winning opportunity, but it just made the game a lot more fun to watch than two yards, three yards and a cloud of dust. And so all the sports that really are grasping, trying to make it more fun, not just on the higher levels, but the lower levels. I love your idea of taking it down into the youth. This is where it starts. Youth baseball. Can I give you uh, one thought on that? Yeah. People nowadays and parents in particular for their kids and just people in general, they want to spend money on experiences. They don't just want to look for goods or services like how it's been for many years. We are now in what I like to uh, think about as the experience economy. Think about it like this. There's commodities. Like let's just think about like a coffee bean, for instance. You have a coffee bean, right? And for many years, you know, all we had was these like goods and these commodities. 
commodities, things that we would extract from the earth, like oil and and, and coffee beans. That, you know, those are maybe a coffee bean or an old bag of coffee beans is worth a few pennies. But then you maybe grind it up, you roast it, you put it in a bag. Well, you can charge a little bit more for it. Um, maybe like, you know, 50 cents to a dollar for, you know, a bag of grounded up beans. Or you can go to like a bodega and they they can serve it for you and you spend maybe a dollar, a dollar fifty on a cup of coffee. Okay, so that's a service. But then you could think about like a Starbucks. Okay, why can a Starbucks for that same thing of coffee, that same, you know, bag of coffee charge $2.50, $3 for something that costs them just a few pennies? Well, it's because of the experience. You have the big cushy couch and you have the music and you have the coffee smell and you got the free newspapers. That's what people are looking for. They're looking to spend their money on experiences. It's the same reason why parents, you know, who don't have the money to do it will spend every dime they have to go to Disneyland every year, even though it's above their price range because people want experiences. My belief is that those teams and programs out there that create a truly meaningful experience and not a coaching service, which is but 98% of travel ball providers out there do a version of more or less the same thing. You provide a coaching service. Maybe you're a little bit better than the other four guys in town, but you're still just offering a coaching service that you practice once or twice during the week, you go play in tournaments in the weekend. It's pretty boring. If you focus on creating a rich and meaningful experience, you can transform a child's life. That's what parents want to spend their money on. That's what people want to spend their money on. Think about the overall experience of making it fun first because that's where the world is going. The experience, that's huge. What we should be, what you're saying to the listener, the coaches and the parents out there is our first priority is to give our kids, our players a fun experience. Now, it's not, the first thing shouldn't be to run and watch every Ted Williams or Tony Gwynn hitting skills swing video. We should probably be spending more time up front learning how to, and a great place to start is to go check out the speedball and how you're running that or contact you and, and get pick your brain on this and, and just how to create the experience. Because when I'm looking at this on your, you know, you're, you're bulleted out with the baseball bullets on, on your, on your, uh, your pin tweet, it's a, uh, you know, you have six things bulleted out. None of them say like, we're teaching this type of uh, pitching delivery, or we guarantee, you know, your guy, your pitcher throws a hundred miles an hour, or this is our swing philosophy. Everything listed here is about making the experience more fun. Exactly. And to me, and what I'm trying to do is tie it here as we kind of wrap things up. I'm trying to tie it to the listener. Like, okay, you sit down as a new coach or an experienced coach for next year or for maybe the next practice. You should look at first, what are things to make the game more fun? Not necessarily, you know, how to teach a better double play turn, how to make the experience more fun first. I'm not saying, you know, and I know you'd agree, it's like we're not trying to n- neglect that skill development and developmental part, but we want to make it a fun experience first. I talk about dodgeball. I say, you know, take out some of those gator balls, go out to the batting cages. If you've got a couple of batting cages, you can run some two on two in there in the batting cages. Nobody likes to chase a dodgeball. So I, I always try to do it in an enclosed area or find a local gym. You can get some time in and do the dodgeball with the little gator balls, you know, those little eight inch gator balls, you know, kind of foam balls. I said, go do that. And I said, you know what? The kids will have a blast. They'll get some conditioning out of it. They're going to be pretty gassed after, but they're also going to learn. They're going to have fun. Oh, and as a byproduct, they're going to be more accurate with their throws. Have you ever tried to dodge a ball, a dodgeball coming at you and make a throw from a funky angle as you're kind of moving in and out and trying to hit a guy that's moving, you know, 50 feet away? 
the positive coaching, I want to kind of dive in real quick as we wrap this up here. You mentioned earlier positive coaching. So we set up a better experience. We have more fun. What are maybe what's a tip or two you'd like to share with youth coaches to be a more positive coach? What is something you would maybe a tip or a strategy to be a, a positive coach or a more positive coach? Yeah. I mean, you know, when dogs, when you're training dogs, right? And they, you know, you're trying to train him to go pee in a certain area outside. You don't punish him every time he goes pee somewhere else. No, you give him rewards when he pees in the right spot. And I hate to, to relegate our kids to be that, to say that they're like dogs because they're not dogs. But I think the studies show that kids learn more when we identify and support them and encourage them after doing things right, as opposed to doing when they're doing things wrong. So anytime I see a coach making kids do push-ups after making a mistake or making them run or punishing them, it's a seriously missed opportunity. Honestly, we should find ways to catch them doing things right. It also just feels better as a coach to do that. So I believe that great coaches don't need to punish. Bo, I haven't made a kid have to run or do push-ups in so many years. I find that the coaches that have to do that, and it's their fault because they're not setting up the drill the right way or the practice in the right way that they're keeping their kids engaged. And so I think positive coaching, positive coaching methodologies, especially coming out of COVID where kids have been inside all day, the last thing they need is to go out there on the field and to be yelled at by a coach. I always tell my coaches that hour and a half, that two hours of the day that they spend on the field with you, it is your job to make sure that that two hours that they have with you on the field, you need to make that the best part of their day every single day. It's got to be the best part of their day. Make it the best part of their day. If you do that, they're, they're going to keep coming back and wanting more. So any coaches that are big yellers, every coach has their own style, but I inspire you and I encourage you to try being a little softer with your kids, be a little more positive, even just throwing an attaboy here and there. It feels good. These kids, they can understand and they feel more than you know. Little things make a big difference and they remember everything you say. So be careful with what you say, keep it positive and focus on the fun and the experience first. Look for the good. What I like to share, it's kind of just a different way of saying exactly what you're saying is this. Look for the good. Look to give praise. Look for your players doing well. Now, I do share with the listeners, I don't like kids running. I do share the a bear crawl. I use the bear crawl in one situation with players and I recommend coaches use a bear crawl. And I like the bear crawl because it's different than running. It doesn't feel like a baseball move or a sports move. And it's not easy. And in about 60 seconds, you've sent a message. The kids are burnt out. I've used this for years. But it's only coaches. I only use it in situations where there was a lack of hustle, where there was a very, very discernible lack of hustle or a very disrespectful kind of unteam teammate like thing that happens. I never do it for errors. I never do it for strikeouts. I never do it for making a bad throw. I don't do it for that. I don't. We're on the same page. I do like to throw that caveat. I've used this as a hustle only because that's a controllable thing. I don't like to punish kids at all for making mistakes with their throws or their swings or their pitches and things like that. So just like to kind of be, I love to look for the good though. Look for the good. I can't tell you coach how many times I've been out there helping consult youth baseball. And all I see them is talking about the negative, looking at the negative. Hey, you got to start get looking and praising. So uh, yeah, like you, you point out the good and something that one player is doing that everybody else sees. Oh, little Bobby's, you know, he's getting praised for, for running hard through first base. Well, I should probably do that too, as opposed to yelling at a kid or pulling him when he doesn't run hard through first base. It's just my approach and it's what works for me and my kids and my community. It may not work for you, but you know, I would encourage anybody to at least go down that path a little bit more because my belief is that the kids of nowadays, that's
that's the type of coach that they respond best to. One who they know for sure is in their corner. You can be that demanding coach. I'm demanding for sure. I'm demanding all their effort, attention, and energy. But at the end of the day, I'm putting my arm around that kid and he loves me for it because I'm going to push him hard. I'm going to find him doing things right. And they know that I got their back no matter what. I love it. Yeah, you and I see eye to eye on this. And I know the listeners that have been listening for a long time, you can tell Coach Klein and I, you know, you can see where our vision of we're how to coach and is is right in line with each other. Fun and discipline are not mutually exclusive. It should be a lot of fun. There should be some discipline. That's more the hustle and how you talk to your teammates and how you respect other kids. But it's got to be fun. I love how you focus on the experience and the environment before some of the other things. And I love how you're the order in which you are coming at this. So I know you're you're pressed for time. I know you have a, you have somebody a meeting to get to. But I did want to give a shout out, and I'm going to add to the end of this interview. I'll add to the beginning and the, and the end a little more of a kind of a background and how to get a hold of you or how to reach out to you or where they can find you. I know they can follow you at Coach David Klein, K-L-E-I-N, Coach David Klein on Twitter. We didn't even get into your Legends baseball camps, which tell you what, that intrigues me a lot. Maybe you could come back on. Maybe we can have you on down the road and you could talk about your Legends baseball camp because to me, that's uh, I think you're onto something big there. And I know that's a little bit different than the speedball, but similar but different. How else can they follow you or, or reach out to you? Or Yeah, I appreciate that, Bo. Uh, you can check out our, our site at legendsbaseballcamps.com. Uh, we are selling franchises right now. We're the only registered baseball and softball, youth baseball and softball specific camp provider in the United States. We're looking to bring our program, which we think is transformational for so many kids. We're looking to really bring it anywhere. So check that out. We're primarily focusing on West Coast right now, but we're looking for whatever communities that need us. And we're looking for good operators, people that love kids, love baseball. You can reach out to me or my team at help at legendsbaseballcamps.com. That'll hit my email and my teams. Yeah, my Legends Baseball, the camps, you can, you know, we have a collegiate team. It's just on Twitter at, at MPLegends. And we got camps, baseball and softball all all over the Bay Area. We're also on Instagram as well. So check us out there. And then TikTok. We're firing up TikTok. We got like 50,000 plus followers out there. And the content that I focus on on TikTok and and a lot of my Instagram reels is just actionable coaching drills and ways to think about coaching and delivering coaching drills in a way that's oftentimes somewhat different than what you might be used to. So uh, those are some good places to try me out. But I love connecting with people out there. So if anyone this sparked a fire in any of you guys, I'd love to hear from you. Definitely. And I'll put all this information, all the contact, the website, I'll put that in the show notes. When I hear your passion and I hear you say the word, you're attacking, you're coming at it differently, that you have me hooked right there. When I, I hear your passion about it, and then I know you're coming from a different angle, not just to be different, but to be better. You got me hooked on this. I'm fired up and I, I'm definitely going to be following up with you on this and see about trying to get speedball here in Boise. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of baseball up here in Boise and a lot of places that could use better youth baseball everywhere could use better ba- youth baseball. And I think you're on to something great here. So I really appreciate you coming on, Coach. Thank you so much. Bo, thanks so much for having me. Thanks to all the listeners out there. I encourage you to challenge yourself to go off the beaten path a little bit. If you see problems in the way that baseball is serving your kids and your community and you don't love it, then plant your flag in the sand and do something different. It's going to be hard at first. It comes down to parent education. Educate your parents, educate your kids, start small, build from there. You'll find how much more fulfilling it is to fully own and create your own program and your vision. And to see the transformation in your kids, it'll fill you up for years. So thanks again for having me, Bo. And thanks to all the listeners out there for being a great coach because we need more good coaches in this world. Awesome. Thanks, coach.
And that wraps up the interview. You can follow Coach Klein on Twitter at Coach David Klein, K-L-E-I-N, and at MP Legends. MP Legends, also legendsbaseballcamps.com. Go ahead over there, check it out. There's a lot of good stuff. Legendsbaseballcamps.com slash speedball dash info for more. I'll tell you what, his vision fires me up for youth baseball. None of that was fabricated. None of my enjoyment of listening to that and talking to Coach Klein and really feeling that positive energy, that passion, and as a vision for something that I think is really going to, is already has traction, is going to keep moving forward and gain momentum. So I'll leave it there. I want to have him back on. We'll talk about the Legends camps and go from there, but there's a couple things I'd like to unpack with Coach Klein, even more that we could learn from, from his vision of baseball and youth baseball, and hopefully we can make that happen down the road. Be here next week. Another episode coming out each Tuesday to y'all. As we record this, I am actually headed ironically if you remember back in the interview i'm headed to top golf a top golf tomorrow i'm flying down to california to see some buddies and i'm going to go to top golf tomorrow night first time at a top golf i'm excited like we spoke to they're building one here in boise which i plan to go to often Support the podcast. At a minimum, leave a review or a rating on the podcast on your podcast platform. I'm working on some courses on the back end, kind of webinar type courses. Do it your own time, on your own time, at your own pace courses, pitching, batting practice, optimal pregame routines, drills for all sorts of events and actions that take place in the baseball game. So I'm working on these courses. I don't want to just put something out there that's slop. I want to put these together and have these ready to rock for all of you going into the next baseball season. They're going to be efficient. They're going to be effective. They're going to give you a ton of useful, actionable. They're going to give you a plan of action, a visual plan of action that you can put into play quickly and get out there and start doing better as a coach right away. The goal is to have those ready by the end of the year. We all can start 2023 with a solid coaching plan. Until next week, take care of yourself, your health, your families, your friends. Take care of the baseball community. Give the players a better experience. Fun first, and then skills and whatnot come after that. Always great being here with you. We'll see you next week. Adios. This has been the 8020 Baseball Masterclass. Take it to the field. 